Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Brian Kaplan to the show. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Brian is the Chief Revenue Officer at Andela. Best way to describe them, I think, is as an engineering as a service. So they provide staff augmentation. And one of the things I know from having known the company for years is they're for profit, but have a strong mission to help in Africa to raise the level of uh, standard of living through training engineers. We're going to talk a lot about planning for 2021 in the face of uncertainty. Just to get to know you a little bit first, Brian, love to know, you know, favorite maybe sales book or favorite books, podcasts. How do you like to keep your brain engaged in learning? Well, I have to be honest. I, I am not a big consumer of sales books. I've always said that I feel like sales books can be like 25% of their actual length. I'm more of a history fan. I'm reading uh, Eric Larson's new book about World War II and the Blitz of London because it was just a lot of parallels to living through chaos and crises. From a sales perspective, I get a lot of my information news from just you know podcasts and various emails. I've, how I built this with Guy Raz, I love that podcast in terms of understanding entrepreneurs and how they built their businesses. I even got my kids listening to it now, and they love it. At least my eleven-year-old does. And then I you know just consume a lot of content via email, whether it's Axios or Morning Brew or things like that, just keeping me up to date on what's happening in the business world. And then a bunch of different sales related kind of groups I'm a part of where I get my content from. Well, I know you're in planning mode. So talk to us a little bit about obviously this incredible uncertainty about what's going to happen. I would assume you're probably applying some kind of a scenario approach to the way you're planning. How are you thinking about that? We just kicked off our 2021 planning process in Andela. And four or five months ago, we all thought, There'll be this big bounce in Q4 and, you know, made our rest of your plans based on that. And I imagine for most organizations, we're not seeing that bounce or certainly not as large as we would have hoped for. And may not, you know, be really sure when that uh, improvement in the, uh, in the economy will happen. So we will apply a few different scenarios in thinking about 2021. You know, one is just status quo, right? Keeping more or less same budget as we had for 2020, and really trying to do more with less, as they say. I think from there, we'll probably model out a bunch of scenarios, you know, a a modest growth scenario with additional investment, a more aggressive, and then a best case, right? If all the things break our way, what could growth look like? And what are the investments that we want to make? But I've been in sales for 20 plus years. So, you know, this is one of the most challenging environments I can remember not just to operate in, but certainly to plan in. You have the perspective all the way on the complete, you know, halfway around the world. What are you hearing from the people that you're working with in your company that are in Africa? You know, our main hubs are Nigeria, in Kenya, Uganda, and Egypt. Those are kind of our four biggest hubs in Africa. And well, first, you know, we we almost overnight had to move all of our operations there to remote, right? And we did it pretty early, certainly before a lot of those countries and cities had lockdowns. And it's a challenge, right? Because, you know, for a lot of our engineers, our offices were not only a great place to come to and, and commute to, but electricity and bandwidth are not consistent, you know, in those countries or those cities. 
So, you know, for us, it was a logistical challenge to ensure that our engineers had the support they need. You know, in some cases, we subsidize generators or internet uh, infrastructure support hotspots to ensure they could still provide continued service to our clients. But then from a health perspective as well, you know, obviously, you know, we felt that moving them to all remote quickly was the right move because the public health systems in those countries are just not as sophisticated as they are certainly in the U.S. And we were you know, definitely worried that if there was a, a big outbreak, they wouldn't be equipped to you know, support you know, those that did get sick. Thankfully, we've had very few cases ourselves of COVID within our employee base. And on the whole, things have been better than we thought they might be. And thankfully, our population of employees there has been healthy. When you and I were prepping for this, we were talking about the ebbs and flows of supply and demand for engineers. I'd love to get a little bit of your perspective on you know how things have evolved over the years. Andela was initially built as a training organization for you know unskilled professionals or, or you know professionals that were not skilled as software engineers who wanted to learn to become software engineers, and then. Uh, Andela would provide them with um, those opportunities to work for mostly SMB and you know high growth tech companies here in the U.S. And that model worked for a number of years, but in more recent years, especially as the U.S. has you know started to produce a much higher number of software engineer grads, demand for junior engineers um, started to decrease because there was a readily available supply here in the U.S. So we, as a company, had to pivot a bit to really finding more senior experienced engineers that could provide the type of support that was harder for our customers to find, or frankly, really expensive for our customers to to hire here in the U.S., whether that be Silicon Valley or or any of the other tech hubs. So we have seen the demand for engineers shift to more senior, more sophisticated, certainly some of the newer types of of stacks and languages that most modern uh, sites are are built on, platforms are built on. So so we've had to pivot a bit as a business. Uh, You're now have a much higher proportion of senior engineers working for larger companies versus the kind of earlier career engineers working for SMB companies. One of our top salespeople a few years back taught himself to code and gradually migrated from sales into the engineering organization. We have another one right now who is my sometimes co-host on the podcast who I just found out has basically been doing the same thing and she's learning React and Python, JavaScript. And she's, I've been coding for 20 years and she's better than me already in like, you know, six months to a year. Do you think it's valuable for salespeople to have coding skills ever? I mean, it's certainly like there's a level of problem solving uh, that you learn and that you develop in in becoming a software engineer that I think is incredibly applicable to sales. I think if you are selling to CTOs or VPs of engineering or heads of product as we are, it's incredibly valuable to be able to talk the talk a little bit and to understand a product roadmap and how it's built and what does it mean to have run an agile software development team and process. And we're finding that, you know, we have, we have a mix of sales professionals, um, some of whom, you know, either have a technical background or a lot of experience in the industry and, and some that don't. And certainly both can be successful, but I think we're finding with certain types of clients, whether that be industries or sizes, having that technical background matters a lot more versus other types of, of clients. And some of it's just credibility, you know, you know, CTOs and VPs of engineering, they probably get pitched 
by more vendors than I, I would venture to say than any other member of the C-suite, if you just think about the size of their budget. So standing out and separating yourself from the fray with talking to that buyer is incredibly important. And I think the more expertise that you may have and more credibility you bring to the table, the, the better chance you have of being successful. I don't think I've ever bought anything where someone came to me and said, hey, I have this great idea for you to make more money in your business. Every time I've ever bought anything and said, I felt like I needed this. Let's say I needed engineering staff augmentation. You could call me all day, but until I actually need engineering staff augmentation, I'm not going to reply. The challenger thing seems to imply that you could sort of come to people with ideas that they may not have thought of for adding value. I'd just love to hear like your real experiential thoughts on whether the challenger thing is a primary motive of bringing value. I think there are some core tenets of the methodology which are still applicable and hold true, especially the whole idea of teaching. And that can be teaching them things about your product or service that can be helpful to them, teaching things about happen that are happening in the industry. I mean, like, you know, take for example, you know, you're a CTO, you're a VP of engineering, you're in your tunnel, you're in your like day-to-day, you're not talking to probably tons of other VPs of engineering and CTOs, maybe a few that are in your network. But every day as a salesperson at Andela or whatever company you work for, you have this really cool privilege of talking with other executives, you know, from all different industries. And you're learning about what's happening in those businesses. And you can bring that knowledge to that next conversation. Obviously, you're not going to share proprietary information or anything confidential, but you've got this like really unique privilege of bringing to the table like, hey, I talk with CTOs all the time and I'm hearing, I'm seeing this trend in the industry or I'm hearing, you know, this is what I'm hearing how they're planning for 2021, things like that. So the whole concept of teaching and bringing that into your sales process, I think is a really, really important one. It may not get you the deal, but I think it creates enough value and and keeps you in the conversation. I don't disagree with you that there has to be some level of need there and interest already, right? As I think about the things that I have, you know, purchased myself as a CRO, you know, there was already some level of need or awareness of a need. How are you thinking about managing your own career in that respect? You are clearly not a hopper. You spent, you know, 10 years at CEB. You spent pretty much the same at Axiom. You must have the temptation over the years, right? You must get headhunted aggressively. How do you kind of keep your head in for a decade? For CEB, it was my first job, real job. I was a paralegal for a couple of years. So that longevity was about a company that was a true meritocracy, right? It rewarded high performance. It invested in its people. When I moved to Axiom, I tried to apply some of the same lens. Like, is this a company that is going to invest in me and will allow me to invest in the team that I built? right? Is it a meritocracy? And that company, which was, you know, you're selling a service, but it's like CB, it's less about the product that you're selling, I find, and less about the people that you are working with, right? And so for Axiom, kind of, you know, it was a lot of the same things, right? It was an incredibly supportive and honest and rewarding culture. It was a place that challenged you, you know, it was just incredibly bright people that you know, kind of collectively were on a mission to change an industry and it kind of bound all of us. You know, when I moved to Andela, you know, it was a lot of the same things, right? Like here's an opportunity to change an industry. Here's an opportunity to have impact on people's lives. Here's an opportunity to build a great business at an earlier stage as well. Certainly really excited about where the company is heading and, and the kind of sales culture that we've been building across the past year. I started to ask people like one final question in the waning minutes of the podcast, which is, 
you've now been in sales, as you mentioned, 20, you know, 20 plus years, you were in the thick of watching sales evolve at CEB. If you think out and prognosticate the next five, 10, 15 years, in what ways do you think sales will change? In what ways do you think sales will stay the same? Your job as a sales professional is still to create immense value for your prospect or your customer in every touch point, in every conversation that you have, right? I always say to my team, like, if you are not creating value, even at the smallest piece of information in every touch point, like, they're just not going to have much interest in talking with you. And certainly when they become a customer, if we're not delivering value along the way. So that, I know that's probably cliche, but that, that just does not change. How will it evolve? Well, you know, this move to remote working, I think, look, there's not a day goes by where there's not 10 articles about the office is dead. No, it's not. I, I think, you know, some hybrid approach is probably what's what's in store. But I think that just opens up a lot of opportunity for, you know, sales organizations to think about how they staff and structure their team, where they put people, how you can get the team be closer to the customer, um, how you can deliver value through many different channels, right? I think it used to be, oh, you know, I had to be there in front of my customer all the time. I still think walking the halls is incredibly important. Uh, but I think now, you know, with Zoom and all the other platforms we have to communicate there are now, it's now easier to deliver value in a multi-channel way, which I think it was just harder in the past. I mean, I remember even two years ago, actually, we didn't even have Zoom licenses. Like we were just always on the road. So, you know, I think you just have a much more productive sales org as a, as a result. So just think the, the way in which we engage with our customers is going to continue to evolve in a really meaningful way over, you know, five to 10 years. You know, maybe you don't have one big inside sales organization in one place anymore. Maybe you like figure out a way and it's not easy, but to have a manager and a pod, if you will, in different locations as we go forward. The biggest thing I'm going to take away from our conversation I really appreciate is the salespeople do need to hold themselves to a high standard that they're going to drop value in every interaction. And I think that a lot of times from a buyer's perspective, for me, that value is tell me something I can use, whether I work with you or not, if it's pre-sale. And then if it's post-sale, and even if you're going to come and try to upsell me or whatever, like still give me something that I can implement, execute, and get value out of using what I'm already spending my money on. So I, I think that check yourself is great. Someone once taught me stop and look back whenever you go somewhere so you don't forget your umbrella or whatever, SLB. So this is the equivalent. Just the instant communication piece in particular, you really have to think before you send that message because in some cases you can't undo it. I wish actually Zoom had an undo feature in the chat box, but it does not. Not yet. Well, Brian, it was such a pleasure learning from you. If people are interested in learning more about Andela or connecting with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Traditional channels. LinkedIn is great. Email is great. Brian.Kaplan at Andela.com. Either is fine. Look forward to hearing from you. Such a pleasure and stay healthy. Yeah, same to you. Thanks, Jeremy. Take care. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.